Friends, as we prepare to hear our scripture this morning, uh, today we continue in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, two weeks ago, we heard the story of Mary and Joseph bringing the infant Jesus uh, into the temple to be blessed and circumcised when he was eight days old. Uh, last week, we uh, skipped over to the Gospel of Matthew to hear the story of Epiphany and the wise men. And during that time, we skipped uh, a passage in Luke about Jesus uh, coming back to the temple at 12 years old, where he ended up staying there for three days and learning and speaking with great wisdom. And the passage ended uh, saying that he grew in, in wisdom and understanding. And then we pick up with what we have today, which is the beginning of Jesus' ministry as an adult. And in the passage that we're going to hear this morning, it starts with John the Baptist. And it starts with John as that messenger and prophet who is paving the way uh, for Jesus. We'll hear how Luke um, connects John with the prophet Isaiah, and we'll hear the baptism of Jesus, and it will serve as a reminder that both John and Jesus are part of that long arc of God's love and salvation history. So let us listen for the word of God. Our scripture today is from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make God's path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, 
Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he, shall, he will burn with unquestionable fire. So with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler, who had, been, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Friends, will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Oh, gracious God, as we seek to listen to your words, as we seek to make sense of your good news in our world today, meet us in this time. Help us to hear the word you have for us today. Open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, our hearts to feel you with us, and our feet to follow in your way. Amen. Well, it has been a long and hard week in the life of our nation. As I uh, record this sermon, it's only been about 24 hours since a group of extremists uh, breached the United States Capitol. Uh, 24 hours since that flagrant display of fear, of violence, of white supremacy. And like many of you, as I watched the images yesterday, I was uh, just outraged and angered and disheartened and discouraged and fearful and anxious. I would say I was also surprised. And yet in many ways, I, we should not be surprised by what has happened. Such uh, blatant displays of fear and violence and white supremacy have been happening uh, over and over again the last four years, especially fueled by our president. But if we are honest, we know that this fear and violence and white supremacy that has uh, become so much more obvious has a much longer legacy, some 400 years that it's been part of the very founding of our nation and our institutions. 
And so in many ways, it should not surprise us that there was a group able to assemble on the Capitol. That this group of uh, mostly white folks, mostly white men, were able to breach the Capitol with what seems like uh, little and unprepared uh, police presence. That they were able to uh, make a mockery of our elected officials, to take selfies in the chairs of our elected leaders, uh, to steal public property, break uh, parts of the Capitol building, and it seems, uh, at least now, not to suffer all that many consequences. We have a problem in this country, and uh, we have our work to do. And as I was thinking about all the events of this week, and I was thinking about our text, um, our text is really helpful for us today, I think. It's very instructive, I think, in terms of how we're called to live and how we are called to resist uh, the fear and the hate and the oppression that is in our world. Now, our story this morning uh, begins with John the Baptist. And it begins actually with Luke setting a very clear uh, timeline uh, of when and where this takes place. John takes time to name the emperor Tiberius in Rome, to name the, uh, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, to name uh, the, the king uh, Herod, to name um, those who are in power in the temple. Uh, really to place this story within the context of very real uh, political leaders and oppression and in, in the religious and cultic temple authority. And then Luke introduces John the Baptist as if to say, if you are looking for the power of God, if you are looking for the kingdom of God to be revealed, it's not going to be in these halls of power. It's not going to be in these uh, institutions, but instead look to this wilderness where the spirit is at work among the people, among the common people, and the people who can uh, make a difference. As I think about this passage for us, I think, too, about uh, John's message, which begins really as a message of repentance, a baptism of repentance. And repentance we talk a lot about. It means really a reorientation, uh, changing our hearts and minds, turning around. That when we, when we repent, it is as if we, we reorient, we realign ourselves uh, with God and with what God longs for in our world. And in our story this morning, that is what John is doing. He is calling the people to a reorientation, a repentance. And what is interesting in this text is that uh, in other Gospels, it's clear that John uh, is talking just especially to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and telling them, he calls them the brood of vipers and tells them to repent. But in Luke's version of the gospel, uh, 
John is talking to everybody. John is talking to all the crowds and saying, uh, you are the ones who are to bear the fruits of repentance. In other words, the life of faith is going to come with fruits. The life of faith is going to be lived out in concrete actions that you and others can see. I think it's easy for us in a time like this and in a week like this to, to point our fingers at those who need to repent, at those extremists or white supremacists or racists uh, who need to turn their lives around. But in fact, what I think this text does is hold up a mirror to all of us and invite all of us to think about how God is inviting us to reorient because the reality of fear and racism and white supremacy and all the things that um, diminish our, our nation, they, they aren't limited just to those few extremists, right? They are, they are in our entire culture and they are in our church, they are in us. And so we have to look at how can we reorient? How can we change the way we live in the world? This is what our text shows us this morning. As the people come to John, they hear his message, they hear his call to repentance. And they say, well, uh, what are we to do? And John begins to tell them, and he tells them very concrete actions. The crowd asks him, what are we to do? And John says, uh, share what you have. Share, be generous, share your excess, right? If you have an extra coat or six coats, as Katie uh, demonstrated for us, then share what you have. If you have extra food, share what you have so that some people can just have their basic necessities met. The life of faith has that concrete action of generosity so that there is enough to go around. The tax collectors come. They're not, they're not the favorite people among the crowds there. These uh, folks who, who uh, basically skimmed off the top and took money. And even they say, well, what do, we, what do we need to do? And John tells them, stop taking a commission. Stop charging interest. Stop taking more than you are supposed to. Live justly, fairly. Don't exploit the people around you. They're Roman soldiers in the crowds. Romans who hear John's message, they are also moved. They say, what are we supposed to do? And John basically says, stop bullying people. Stop throwing your weight around. Stop extorting the people around you. For John and for Luke and for the Jesus in Luke's gospel, the life of faith is about social responsibility. It is about care for others, care for the neighbor. It's about living justly and kindly and with mercy and generosity toward others. It's about people aligning themselves with God's will for the world. It's about us aligning ourselves with God's will for the world. It is love lived out, not in simply words or prayers or tweets, but in action, in fruits that show up in our lives.
So what does that look like for us? Well, I think there's all kinds of ways that it looks. It looks like the generosity that we hear in this scripture. It looks like our reorientation could be being more generous. Many of us, myself included, have a lot of excess. Clothes, food, money, uh, space. And if we're honest, we know there are ways that we could give some of what we have just so others could have their needs met. That's part of living out our faith in that concrete way. It's a willingness to give up some of that security blanket, to open ourselves up to vulnerability and interdependence so that we could help others and to trust that when we are in need, there will be others who help us. There are concrete ways that we can serve of those on the margins. We have opportunities here at church, even now, um, volunteering with LOTSAM, the Lake Oswego Transitional Shelter Ministry, where we can support families transitioning out of houselessness, where we can uh, support them by providing rides, by uh, supporting them as they look for work, by uh, helping them uh, get their needs met. There's opportunities to provide food for people in need, for making mission bags for those that uh, are houseless on the street. Our reorientation can also look like uh, digging deep into the work of dismantling racism and white supremacy in our world and in our lives. And it starts with our own hearts. It starts with confessing our own prejudices and our uh, repenting for our own ignorance, which means we have to do the hard work of educating ourselves. And so that reorientation, that realigning with God's will, maybe for us in concrete actions, looks like committing to, to read more, to learn more about white supremacy, its legacy, its effects. It might look like um, having hard conversations with other people, just learning how to dialogue about it. It may look like um, building relationships with people of different race and ethnicity from our own. The bottom line is what I hear this morning is a call really to reorienting our lives and to realigning ourselves with God's will in action. Now today is uh, the baptism of Christ Sunday. We heard that part at the very end of our reading this morning. It's a day when we remember not only John's call to baptism, but also Jesus' baptism, and by extension, our own. And what's interesting in our story this morning is that Jesus was among those who heard that, uh, that call to a baptism of repentance, that Jesus himself, in Luke's telling of the gospel, was baptized along with the crowds. In an incredible act of humility and love, it is as if Jesus himself, it's, it's what he did, is he said, I want my life to be aligned 
with that mission of God. I want my life to be aligned with those concrete acts of love and justice and mercy that John preached. And this, I think, is what uh, baptism still means for us. That baptism is an invitation to us to realign, to reorient our uh, lives with God. Now, baptism as a sacrament is something that is, it's done once in our life, but it's actually an invitation to reorient all the time. That part of living into our baptismal vows is um, daily choosing to live out God's love and justice in our lives. It's daily reorienting, asking, what should I do? Where is God calling me? How am I being called to live out God's love and justice in the world today? In just a few minutes, we're going to do uh, a renewal of baptism, which we do usually uh, every year on this Sunday, when we um, revisit our vows and we make that commitment again. And as we do it today, I just want to highlight the first vow that we're going to share with each other. Uh, because it was something that was raised up at a prayer vigil this week. You're going to hear in the first vow that there is an invitation to uh, resist oppression and evil in our world and to show love and justice. And uh, this Wednesday evening, after the events at the Capitol, our uh, UCC, the national setting, our general minister and president and the officers of the UCC uh, held a prayer vigil. And John Dorauer, who is our, our general minister and president, he offered a wonderful reflection where he said how important to him his baptismal vows are. And that in particular, he takes the one uh, to resist evil very seriously. So that for him, um, and I would think perhaps for all of us, this idea that we are called to resist evil wherever we see it, which means resisting. Uh, the white supremacy, the fear, the oppression that we see in the world. And to resist it, as, as John Dorar said, by, by naming it, uh, by saying where it is, by, by, um, by, by um, just speaking it in, speaking the realities of that evil, and then uh, being willing to, to protest and to use our voice and our bodies uh, to show up and to speak out. And then he said that our baptismal vows, they also uh, require us to show love and justice and mercy, to proclaim the good news of God's love. And so in the vow, we'll hear those words about showing love and justice. And to think about uh, a part of our vows is to live that out in care of neighbor, in loving other people, in uh, living with that generosity and that mercy and with those concrete actions uh, that we have talked about. And so as we wrestle with all that has happened in our world this week, as we uh, think about this text, as we think about this new year, as we think about the transfer of power that will be happening in our nation um, next week, as we think about how we want to live, and how we want to live out our faith. How is God calling us? How is God calling us to reorient our lives, 
to God's love and justice and mercy? How is God calling us into those concrete acts of love and service with which we live out our baptism and align ourselves to God? May God's Spirit pour out on us this day and may God continue to guide us in the ways of love and justice. Amen.